Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> so let's just start going in? Yeah. All right, all right. So let's just start going in. Once you hear this motherfucker, you're going to know what I'm talking about. Right. Swift. Philly, stand up. God damn it. We're not done. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh. We're going to start this, this right new here. year. We're going to start this new year off crazy. Look. On the contrary, every one of my verses is controversial. I've been popping since your mama birthed you. I put in time for the money. They say time money, so my safe a time machine full of dead men. That's time reversing. If you say that I ain't hustling, serving all the clients, dog, you lying like the Amazon Prime commercial. Woo! One line could hurt you. Dog, you too temperamental. I'm mentally centered and you sentimental. God all damn. top, no instrumental. Acapella or instrumental. I got too many heart, no instrumental. Talk to Easy, easy. Did the, did the ball drop yet? No, the ball ain't dropped yet. Did the yet. ball drop yet? Uh. We ain't think so. I was in the kennel, ready to dog fight. Skin and meat in between my teeth, squeeze my jaws tight. Hard bite, large knife, or gun, that's my dog oh. bite. I'm from a different breed, these paws that take a dog oh. life. Doggy style, how I give a frog pipe. I like to taste You're pussy and chase pussy. The shit dog like. No frostbite, but the chain freeze. The bitch I'm married to is ratchet, but the ratchet is my main Batman squeeze. I'm biting, trying to make a vein bleed. Cause I'm cold blooded. The shit that give a vampire brain God freeze. Damn. Please. They like cats, got niggas fiending. This persona like a sauna, got niggas steaming. Mm. He rap like he got in the demons. A bunch of dead rappers in the... They ain't ready. Yo. Too much. Me and Swiss back together again with them ad libs. They throwing me off. I'm so excited. I know much. y'all is. Too yeah. much. Uh-huh. Uh. New York City. Benjamin. Down Philly. Uh. New York City. Back to Philly. New York City. Back to Philly. New York City. Back yeah. to Philly. Uh. New York City. Uh. Ladies uh-huh. and gentlemen. Yeah. My life, wow, lifestyle with a rich and famous If you broke, you probably feel like I'm speaking a different language Kiss my anus was my slogan for a long time, I switched it But on the road to riches, it's a long line I'm going blind from all this jewelry I bought in life I- Easy selector I'm going blind from all this jewelry uh-huh. I bought in life Easy selector I'm going blind from all this jewelry I bought in life Easy selector. I'm going blind from all this jury I bought in life. I come from where niggas get knocked out uh-huh. before the fight. Straight up and down like a Florida flight. I'm sunning these niggas. I put that on my unborn border life. The man that said the best things in life fall free was sort of right. But you still need money because there's more to life. I popped a lot of thoughts. I'm probably popped some more tonight. Ladies, who you flirting with? Show me what you working with. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going crazy right it's now. It's too much. They ain't been, the radio ain't been the yo, It ain't been the same. You know, it ain't it ain't shape or five ain't been the same <laughs> oh, <my> since tonight. We're going to start this new year right. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? We're going to start this new year right. Philly, what up? Philly, stand uh-huh. up, huh? Yeah. It's all good. You know what I mean? 
You know what I mean? It's you strapped because I carry two gats. They brother and sister. I call her sister Missy. I call her brother Mister. He got another sister. I call her Miss Nina. His brother Smith and Weston spit and they are 16 to the death. They kind of nice for Mr. Mina. I fuck with Missy because Mr. Mina better than our sister Nina. Last time nigga seen her, she got trained by a gang full of shooters with bald heads and a bitch a screamer. But they ain't silencer. All they did was pop her, wipe her off and then threw her in the back of the challenger. Her cousin Tex said, let's go dance. He heard drums and start jamming. Techno dance. Man, I'm the only human in my house. But Mr. and Missy is having a family reunion in my house. Ooh, I'm about to go ham in this verse. But I had to talk about that family first because family first. I could get your whole family murk. I call my Haitian bitch that do voodoo and get your family cursed. That's crazy with the shit, the crazy shit I spit. Prove you can't get this sick unless you lose your sanity first. I don't need the chance to rehearse, cause no flow tighter and no ghostwriter never hand me a verse. I got this bitch that worked for me, I pay with Xannies and perks. Fill a pocketbook with coke and put the can in a purse. But for the binge, you might gotta buy the Camry first. Baby, I've been to shit since I was pampered at birth. Too much work. It's too much, man. It's too much Dog, work. I'm a boss because I put my hammer to work. To stop the blood, a baby pamper will work. It's too much. We are saying it's too much for me go to back handle. Back to the other beat. Oh, you want to go back to the other beat? You want to go back to the other I'm on the strip with All a right. baby bottle. <laughs> diaper right. bag full of crazy piss. And the baby doll yeah, wrapped okay. in a blanket, I babysit. Ooh. You a real tough talker, but softer than baby shit. Ooh. If I'm not your favorite rapper, you must be on Shady Dick. Ooh. Or maybe... Tune in every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on the bottom line with Joey L. On the new Evolution Radio Network. Another picture. Look at the so-called Egyptian, the African, Kemet, and his and her culture. Laced with gold. Laced with silver and precious stone. The point I'm making is that you're from a rich culture, a rich past. Love, lift, life. We touch into your mind, body, and soul. This is a homage beat. Somehow we have bought into a shoebox full of fallacies. And one of them is that it's all right to be poor. Whenever you see people prospering, Always rejoice and bless them in your heart. Always do that. And you see, you magnetize yourself for that good when you bless other people. But you know, if you have a jealous spirit, oh, look at that. Why should they have that when I've got so little? Yeah, because you, you work, you operate your mouth against yourself. That's why. There's a verse of scripture also said, that says, Thou art ensnared by the word of thy mouth. You know, the mouth can be a dangerous thing until you learn how to operate it positively. <laughs> Some people are like a prosecuting attorney against themselves. <laughs> and 
every time you think of something good, you talk yourself out of it. Yeah, but I know, I just know, I, I sure wish. No, but I can't. But oh, I sh- Lord, I sure wish. Now I didn't say it by the words of thy mouth. Don't do that. That, that stems from your grand perennial roots and, and my perennial roots. The remarks that I heard so persistently was that all I want is just enough to get by. And then the ones that my generation used was, how's it going, man? Oh, I made it. I made it. Now, that's another thing, and I want to warn you about this. You know, a lot of people are good at visualizing things for other people. Yeah, that's for Rockefeller. <laughs> that's for those rich people. You'll pass by those mansions in Bel Air and Beverly Hills that look at this where the rich people live. Look, look at that. That's for them. And you're really telling yourself, well, that's for them. I see them with it. But I don't see myself with it. Me. Making what? <laughs> the standstill syndrome of hold on has been the banner of black America since we were imprisoned in this country and culture. Survival was of the utmost importance. Just to live through with the theme of survival or the capture of Africa. Okay, if you can see it for other people, why can't you see it for yourself? I taught people to do this. Here's a little testing. That whenever you see people being, doing, and having good, always be glad for them. Always rejoice for them. And, you know, say good things about them in your mind. I said, look at that old rich so-and-so. The Bible says, curse not the rich. Reverend Ike says, if you curse the rich, you'll never be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it became a fixed mechanism in the pseudo culture that the African was developing in this quote foreign land unquote. How to survive, the need to survive, the whole syndrome of survival is a slave mentality syndrome. I remember some years ago, I uh, drove up to our place up in the mountains in, in Monterey overlooking the, the ocean and my custodian at that time was a very fine gentleman who met me outside and he saw that brand new mink silver gray and blue Rolls Royce Corniche. And he said to me, he says, oh Reverend Ike, he said, I saw this car in my visualization the other day. <laughs> I say, yeah, but you made one mistake. You didn't see yourself with it. <laughs> so I got it. Prosperity is the correct concept for the African, where most of the wealth of the planet has been drawn from. Most of the gold. Most of the silver, most of the diamonds, ruby, emeralds, pearls, Africa, that says the land from which 
and here is a rich land, a land flowing with milk and honey, that God's so-called chosen was sent to that land as a promised land. And when you decide it, you've got to do what? Believe it. Another picture. Look at the so-called Egyptian, the African, Kinet, and his and her culture. Laced with gold. Laced with silver and precious stone. The point I'm making is that you're from a rich culture, a rich past. It's back here. The idea to be rich, to be prosperous, to be well-to-do. Okay? The, the illusion of poverty is just that. It is an illusion. In this teaching, that would indicate, yes, law, meaning that you have an affirmative attitude toward the law which works to bring you to the demonstration of the good that you believe. In this cycle we are in of high dispensation that includes wealth. You're supposed to get back something. Surely God is able. Say that. Say it again. The third time. And I like to make it so very personal and say it this way. Surely God in me is able. Say it again. Spiritual prosperity includes material prosperity. It includes mental prosperity. It doesn't exclude anything. The masters who presented themselves to a given people renounced material materiality because they were demonstrating spirituality. They didn't need to harness and stack up anything. They could have anything they wanted when they wanted it. When you believe, nothing is impossible. So you got to believe. That's real prosperity consciousness. To have what you need and want when you need it and when you want it. It is not having a large bank account. Because the bank order might go off with your money. <laughs> In your consciousness, that's where prosperity is. See it! Let's hear it! See it! This deals with visualization. We're not listening to whom we're supposed to be listening to. We're listening to the things that worry and trouble us. The things that confuse us occupy much of our minds. There's an answer for every question. There's a solution to every problem. Where is it? Inside. It is important that you learn how to work in the theater of your mind. And I want to leave that 
term with you. Say the theater of my mind. There's no more God out here than there is in there. Now, I'm going to tell you something important. Because, see, somehow we don't think we're supposed to get rich unless we work and save our money. And that's a practical good way to do so. And, and I'm not going to knock that. You know, it, 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 as much as I dislike eight hours a day, it's practical and it's significant and it gives it a sense of purpose and direction. Wealth is given. It is not earned. I now enter into the theater of my mind and look upon the stage of my imagination. You've got it set there. And, you, and then I will say, I see myself. And then you describe yourself as you wish to be. So repeat this after me. I now look upon, I now enter the theater of my mind. And look upon the stage of my imagination. And I see myself as I wish to be. While we sit here, somebody's getting rich. And I want you to think about that instead of somebody tricking you out of your check. Money is an idea. How many ideas can you contain? What is it that brings you your good? Oh, there I am. Look how healthy I am. Look how happy I am. Listen to the way I'm laughing. I'm just the exact weight that I want to be. Look at that. My dimensions are as I would have them to be. Just look at me. And look at all that money around. What are you passionate about? What is it that you really love with all your feelings? Can you transfer that to money? Yes, you can, if you want to. So learn how to see yourself being, doing, and having the good that you desire. Enter the theater of your mind. Look upon the stage of your imagination and see yourself. And it's important that you see yourself being, doing, and having the good that you desire. Systematically, this man kept trying to destroy everything that something was giving him. He was doing it to himself, but not the white boy. He was doing it to himself. Very good. The power of the word. Spoken word. And we need to control that faculty. Huh? If we take words and throw them like daggers, they get results. Yes, you gotta see it. You remember Flip Wilson, the comic, who used to say, What you see, what you get. That's true. 
And the man who said to me, well, Reverend, I got saw this Rolls Royce carnation in my visualization. He made the mistake. He didn't see himself with it. So, also when you see people with good, always say also. And when your pants are sign, home sign, cars, people are looking good, say, that's for me. Let me hear you say it. That's for me. Say it again. That's for me. See, bless it, bless them and say, that's for me. That means that you include yourself in that idea of good. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after these messages on Evolution Radio.
I want to talk to you and talk to everybody out there about what I have learned is the most important and efficient way to get where you want to be. It's the visual Don't hit me on my because I'm where you're going to be 5, 10, 20 years from now. And I promise you will be there. Yeah, that you hit, that you 
information today. This is Sunday. Today is the 19th. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Uh, we're going to get right down to it tonight. If you want to holler at me, make sure that you press the number one. Call the number 516-531-9318. That's 516-531-9318 if you want to get in and holler at me. Tonight, we're going to go into rights versus privileges. Um, I wanted to talk about this topic tonight because I wanted to explore the idea of protecting the rights, right? And, and understanding, understanding, understanding that protecting your rights is such a broad topic. Um, you, you need to understand the difference between rights and privileges. And so we're going to dive into that tonight. I just thought that this would be a, a good topic of conversation. Next week I'll pick back up on the business uh, episodes. Um, and we'll continue that series. So, as we get into the topic tonight, I want to explore the two things: the privilege and the rights. Right, which one were you born with, right? And which one can be taken away from you as if you were a child? Right, and you know I've, I have to say this. I have to talk about this because. At some point in time in, in any of our lives We can be subject to um, The The scrutiny Of somebody trying to Take away your rights right? And, and convert, converting Your rights Into a privilege right? And privileges are for kids right? It's what you give You give a child privileges right? Adults have rights right? And the interesting thing about the privilege is that um, you know when you don't want to play ball, right? People try to take your your rights, right? And they try to say, well, you don't have rights, right? Because you don't want to play ball and, and have privileges. And if you don't want to have privileges, then essentially, you know, you you are not acceptable. In, in society, right? And and I have to be really clear about what I'm saying here because I don't want you to misconstrue, misconstrue what I'm trying to present here, right? And understanding that um, there are certain groups of individuals in society who believe that having um, privileges is okay, right? You know, churches grant privileges, right? Uh, systematic governments grant privileges, but you got all of these systems, right? That grant you these privileges. You know, and what's interesting is that you know, most people will, will go their whole lives and never understand that they're still considered minors. They're still considered to be children in the eyes of the law, right? You're still considered to be uh, unemancipated, right? And, and that's a, that's a hard concept for people who are 
over the the legal age of 18 to really grasp. So, a privilege is a certain entitlement to immunity, uh, which is granted by the state or another authority to a restricted group, either by birth or on a conditional basis, right? So, land titles, uh, taxi medallions, which taxi medallions are also known as CPNCs, which are certificates of public necessity and convenience, which is a it's a permit, essentially, right, to, like, drive a, a taxi, about taxi drivers in New York, right? Um, these are all examples of transferable privileges, so they can be revoked in any circumstance, just like a driver's license, okay? So in, in modern democratic states, a privilege is a conditional, and, a, and it, it essentially, not only is it conditional, but... Um, it, it's <laughs> it's one of those things where it's a condition that's based on you agreeing to the contract, but it's conditional and it's granted only to you after you're born. A privilege, you have what's known as a right, which is inherent. So a right is irrevocable. It deals with uh, irrevocable entitlement, which is held by every human being from the moment that you were born and you came out of your mother's womb, right? So um, you think about the old common law, right? Um, and, and old common law still exists, right? But privileges still exist in common law, right? Which are the title to deeds, for example. Um, a privilege means private law or a rule that relates to a specific individual or institution. So when we talk about privileges, we have to talk about specific groups of people, right? Because specific groups of people are entitled to special privileges. So you hear that term white privilege, right? Or you or you'll hear um, the term privilege used in conjunction with people who come over here from foreign countries, things of that nature. Right? But it deals with a rule that relates to specific individuals or institutions. Okay. So the principles of conduct that members of the legal profession typically look at, right, and they practice are called legal ethics. This is why if an attorney fucks up on a case, you can call the ethics commission on it, right? And they, trust me, attorneys hate when you call the ethics commission on it. Um, and so one of the objectives, even as far back as the French Revolution, was the abolition of privilege, right? This meant that the removal of separate laws for different social classes uh, meaning like the nobility, the clergy, and ordinary people, and then instead of subjecting everyone to the same common law, right, privileges were were there, right? So you know, those privileges essentially were abolished by what was known as the natural the excuse me, the National Constituent Assembly, uh, in seventeen eighty nine. Uh, and the National Constituent Assembly essentially was uh, it was done on July 9th, 1789, and it was during the first stages of the French Revolution, right? And they were looking for, basically, rights across the board, not just privileges. Okay? And so when we look at this tonight, we have to look at what are privileges and what are rights. And, and rights are legal, social, ethical principles, right? Principles that deal with your freedom uh, um, or something that would be entitled. Right, and entitlement is a provision that is essentially 
a legal framework for you, right? Entitlements are, are based on concepts of principle, which are rights, which basically are, are, are concepts of things like social equality, uh, enfranchisement, which is the opposite of disenfranchisement, which is what they did to millions of people of color in this country at one point in time when they took their, the right to vote away, they disenfranchised them. So in, in psychology, entitlement um, mentality, right, is defined as a sense of uh, deservingness, right, or the sense that, that, that you owed something, right, or you owed a favor when little or nothing has been done to deserve special treatment, right? And you, you have to think about this, right? What gives a foreigner Entitlement in this country uh, You come over here what, what, what gives you entitlement over somebody Who's been here their whole life Right You know and, and this also Brings up the, the subject of just Solely versus just sanguinous Who has the real right to the land here Somebody who was born here Whose descendants have been here Or somebody who came over here um, And they became a citizen uh, Through birthright citizenship Right Whose rights um, take take precedence? Right. So you see, rights are fundamental to any civilization, and the history of social conflict, right, is 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 one that essentially attempts to define and then redefine what a right is, right. And according to to Stanford Encyclopedia of a philosophy it says quote that rights structure the form of government the content of laws and the shape of morality as it is currently perceived right so how you perceive the rights how you perceive your rights is, is essentially what they are right freedom of speech for example right and i've talked about this before you have the right to say what you want up to a certain point you can't Say what you want and defame somebody's character. You can't say what you want, right? And it'd be um, harmful to somebody um, in the essence of, oh, you harm their money or you harm their business, right? Things like that. You I mean, you can give a review, right? But but you can't be unethical about it. And this is where ethics come into play. Ethics are are thought to be a thing that you were supposed to be <laughs> essentially groomed with over time, right? But, um, you know, uh, one way to get the idea of multiple understandings and the sense of the term a right is to consider different ways that it's used. So, for example, right, a right to life, uh, a right to choose, a right to vote, a right to work, a right to strike, a right to to, to a phone call if you if you get arrested, right? Um, the right to dissolve parliament or the right to dissolve Congress, um, the right to operate a forklift, the right to asylum, the right to be rich, the right to be poor, the right to equal treatment before the law, the right to feel proud of what one has done, the, the right to be heterosexual, the right for people to be homosexuals, the right for people to be transsexuals, whatever people decide to be, right? All of these are rights, a right to exist, um, a right to sentence an offender to death, right? Now, and that's an interesting one, right? People who have a right to sentence you to death, what gives you the right to take somebody's liberty of life away? Is that because they took somebody else's liberty of life? Right? So all these have to be looked at in, in the very broadest of terms, right? The right to carry a concealed weapon, 
the right to a distinct genetic identity, right, which means no corruption of your blood, uh, a right to believe one's own eyes, right? I was, you know, my, my old man, you saw what it said. Who am I supposed to believe, you or my lion eyes, right? Um, you know, you also have the right to be left alone. You have the right to go to hell in one's own way, or you have the right to go to heaven in one's own way. See, they, they, there are likewise diverse possible ways to categorize, categorize rights, such as um, who is alleged to have the right, right? Children's rights, right? So you have to ask yourself, do children have the, do children have the same rights as, as adults? Because the Constitution doesn't specify who can have a gun, but statutes, which are privileges, do. Okay? Animal rights, workers' rights, states' rights, the rights of people. The rights of the people who who control the state. What actions or states or objects that are asserted are rights, right? The rights of free expression, the right to pass judgment on somebody, the right of privacy, the right to remain silent, the property rights, bodily rights, moral rights. Okay, because moral rights spring from from what we would essentially consider, um, you know. Moral code, moral reasons, things like that, right? Legal rights, which derive from the law of society. Customary rights, which are aspects of local customs, right? Uh, Native Americans have local customs, just like, um, you know, the Irish would have a local custom. Just like the Moors would have local customs. So the inalienable right to life, the, the, the forfeitable right to liberty, the waivable right to the promise to be kept, you they even listen. You can even look at um, the Nation of Islam, right? Nation of Islam. They asked Farrakhan, you know, about Malcolm X, and you know, he basically told him, he says, "Well, we have a right to do whatever we choose with our members within our society." That was, you know, that was him asserting, "Hey, we got the right to take this man out if we choose to." Doesn't mean that they had the right to do it. They did it on on a false pretense, if you ask me. But they they took what they considered to be their rights. So this has been considerable. Um, you know, when we talk about people debating, uh, you know, what it means, you know, within the philosophy of law, logic, and all that good stuff, right? Because the, when you look at all of these, what we call man-made rights, you have to look at natural rights. Natural rights, which are natural in the sense of they're not artificial, right? They're not man-made. They don't derive from human nature or from the edicts of God. They are universal rights, right? They apply to all people. They don't derive from the laws of any specific society. They exist necessarily. Uh, they are inherent to every individual. Everything that comes on this planet has a right to breathe fresh, clean air. Why? Because none of us produce the air. We fuck up the air quality, but we don't produce the air. Right, so they exist necessarily, um, and they can't be taken away from you. Okay, then we have to look at legal rights. Right, legal rights in contrast are based on a society's customs, their laws, the statutes, which go back to privileges, right, or actions that are taken by your legislatures or your your, your congressmen, things like that. Right, citizenship that itself is often considered as as the basis for having legal rights and have been defined as the right to have rights. 
legal rights will sometimes cross civil rights. And we know that civil rights are statutory rights, and they can also be considered uh, 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 rights of, of dead people or no rights at all. Okay? But they are culturally and politically relative since they depend on specific societal context, right? You have, now you have uh, gay rights that they've introduced. It was even argued, you know, and it was actually frowned on. They said that um, gay rights were, 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 if you looked at gay rights, you looked at civil rights. People, people said that gay rights made civil rights look bad because they essentially said that, well, if, if gay people had, had to have something called gay rights, then what was the point of the civil rights? Right? It was almost a slap in the face to civil rights leaders like Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Megar Evers, stuff like that. Right? So some thinkers right, see rights in only one sense, while others accept that both senses uh, have a measure of validity. Okay, Because then you got to look at things like positive law. Okay? But positive law is not grounded in natural law. Okay? Um, okay? If you look at lawsuits, about the right of claim, right? Which basically entails that that another person has a duty to the right holder. Somebody else must do or refrain from doing something to the claim holder, kind of like an injunction. You've got a right to do an injunction, don't you? Right? A liberty right or a privilege in contrast is simply the freedom of permission for the right holder to do something um, and there are no obligations on another party to do anything, right? So you have the right to liberty. Liberty rights and claim rights are the inverse of one another. A person has a liberty right permitting him to do something only if there is no other person who has a claim right forbidding him from doing so. You see how this shit can get deep, right? Positive rights. You have negative rights. You've got individual rights. You've got group rights. There's so many different categories of rights that we could essentially explore that we have to look at rights over privileges. You have to look at how do you defend your rights. So in this country, we often look at our constitution. Um, there was a brother I met a few years ago. He told me in a seminar that he used the Zodiac Constitution. He said he used it in the court case. He said he beat his court case because he used the Zodiac Constitution. He said that the Zodiac Constitution was higher than um, the, the other constitutions, right? Because he was using um, universal law. It's a good concept. I get it. I, I, you know, and I'm not going to debate it, but I do get it, and I understand why he, he would use that. Now, for other people to say that you have a right to use that would, would be almost indefeasible, right? Somebody would... Somebody would have to challenge your right to use that. Okay? So, um, tonight I'm going to read a little bit for you from a document. It's a scholarly, scholarly document. And I thought that, I found it very interesting. And, in fact, it, it actually lays out some of what we just covered. So, and we're going to cover this tonight. It'll be a short show. Um, so, keep it locked. We'll take a very quick commercial break and then we'll dive right into this information. All right. So think about that as we go to break, right? What are privileges? What are rights? 
And how do you invoke your rights? Or how have you invoked your privileges? Keep it locked and be right back. Something in you all looks different Something deep inside got me wondering why I don't understand Why I can't put my finger on what the fuck is off What's missing? You're distant And I'm sinning Don't ask questions usually Got the answers that I need Intuition telling me I just have a Something wrong, I can't find nothing I must be tripping, trying to listen to my intuition Saying you're guilty So baby, just tell me I never asked before, but right now I don't know I don't Don't While my guardian angel never parted ways Just stayed and laid with me 
not nakedly, just waited patiently. For now I am aware, and as I stare into your soul, I see it clear. Can we start again from here? Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after these messages on Evolution Radio. All right, peace. We're back. We're back. We're going to jump right into it. Right here on the bottom line. We're going to go from the bottom to the top. Revolution Radio Network. So let's, 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 let's deal with it. Right? Let's dive right now. So, talking about rights versus privileges. Right? Um, now, the, the right privilege distinction, as it appears in an early statement by Justice Holmes, which is Supreme Court Justice. Um, basically hampered individuals within the public sector and protecting themselves against arbitrary governmental action, right? And this is uh, what I'm going to read to you, uh, some of this information. I don't want to say that it's old, but understand that it's old. And a lot of times what happens is the judges will use what are known as dissenting opinions of the judges. And, you know, it's really interesting, and I haven't really talked about this much, but my great-great-grandfather was, uh, he was a judge. He, he was he was a judge over Native American territory. He, in fact, and, you know, it's, 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 it's history, it is what it is, but he hung something like 79 people, right? And what's so interesting is that I was reading different case law and opinions and stuff like that and different judges would use his his precedent right and so we have to understand that when we talk about rights and privileges this shit goes way back way way back right before a lot of us was before some of your parents was even thought of okay so let's dive into it right in 1892 uh, Justice Holmes speaking for the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court uh, and uh, McAuley versus Mayor of New Bedford trenchantly dispatched the petition of a policeman who had been fired for violating a regulation which restricted his political activities. The petitioner may have a constitutional right to talk politics, but he has no constitutional right to be a policeman. With customary bluntness, Holmes went on to observe. There are few employments for hire in which the servant does not agree to suspend his constitutional right of free speech, as well as of idleness, but the implied terms of his contract. The servant cannot complain, as he takes the employment on the terms which are offered to him. Right now, I want to say something, right, because um, if you've ever heard uh, oh. God damn, I can't even think of his name now. Um, if, if you have ever heard of the story of the first black marshal, and I'll, I'll tell you his name. Hold on. All right. His name is Bass Reeves. Right? Reeves the first black marshal. And Bass Reeves, um, he was... He had a very interesting story, right? And and I would encourage you to go check out his story. But Bass Reeves essentially was imprisoned, 
Um, and he was convicted of, well, actually he was never convicted, but he was accused of murdering somebody. And he was acquitted, and they, they gave him his job back as a marshal. Um, but Bass Reeves essentially uh, went through a lot of what we're discussing right now, okay, where um, his rights came into question, right? But there are few employments for hire in which a servant does not agree to suspend his constitutional right of free speech as well as of idleness by his implied terms of his contract. Three years later, Justice Holmes had occasion to confirm this conception of the scope of constitutional protection in upholding the conviction of a preacher who had violated a municipal ordinance in presenting a public address on the Boston Common without securing a permit from the mayor. Noting that Boston Common was governmentally owned and regarding the fact that the ordinance was utterly lacking in standards to control the mayor's discretion, Holmes added, for the legislator absolutely or conditionally to forbid public speaking in a highway or public park is no more an infringement of the right of a member of the public than for the owner of the private home to forbid it in his house. When no proprietary right interferes, the legislator may end the right of the public to enter upon the public place by putting an end to the dedication to public uses. So it may take the lesser step of limiting the public use to certain purposes. Thus, it was though Justice Holmes merely restated his earlier epigram, the defendant may have a constitutional right to talk religion, but he has no constitutional right to use the Boston Common. This though-minded distinction between constitutionality, protected rights of private citizens, and unprotected governmental privileges has been applied to defeat a great variety of claims associated with government employment or other forms of largesse. In upholding the summary dismissal of a federal civil servant from a non-sensitive position on grounds of suspected disloyalty, for instance, a federal court of appeals has said, quote, the First Amendment guarantees freedom of speech and assembly, but it does not guarantee government employ. Similarly, the Tennessee Supreme Court abruptly rejected the 14th Amendment claims by a public school teacher punished for violating a statutory ban on teaching of, quote, any theory that denies the story of divine creation. So, so you know, they, they, later, they later made that into a law, right, where people could not uh, talk about God and stuff like that in public schools and shit like that. Okay. Now, more recently in 1954, the Supreme Court upheld the suspension of a physician's license on equally tenuous grounds. The physician had been convicted of contempt of Congress for declining to produce certain papers for a committee of the House of Representatives. His license was suspended on the basis of this criminal conviction, even without showing that his actions related to his competence or professional integrity as a physician. So the practice of medicine in New York was lawfully prohibited by the state except upon the conditions it imposes. Such practices, it, uh, such practices are privilege granted by the state under its substantially plenary power to fix the terms of admission. Same thing with lawyers and doctors. Now, right, anytime, um, and I'll have to put this out there for the record, right, anytime I've dealt with anyone, right, or helped anybody, it was never the practice of law. 
Number one is a feeling in my private capacity, right? So I, I, I never took an oath, right? But when you take an oath, when, when you are bound by a contract, that's what happens, okay? Now, if this view were uniformly applied, the devastating effect it would have on any constitutional claims within the public sector can be readily perceived. The public housing tenant similarly evicted without a hearing or any stated reason should have no basis for a complaint. So surely one or more has a right to public housing than to public employment. In either case, it simply takes the benefit of the terms offered to him. An impoverished couple actually domiciled in a state should still have no complaint against a one-year residence requirement for a fair recipient. One may have a right to equal protection, but he has no right to public welfare. Are y'all hearing the difference here? Right? The public welfare, what? It's a privilege. And certainly public university students similarly expelled or suspended should have no constitutional grounds for reinstatement, for it must be equally clear that while petitioners may have a right to procedural due process, they have no right to be educated at the public's expense. Now, fortunately, however, the right privilege distinction has in fact has not in fact removed all restraints from the government and the public sector, although in some cases it has been misapplied to facts which did not come from its rationale at all. In others, it has not been applied even though the facts did fit its rationale. Now, increasingly, when the petitioner's primary interest in the public sector could not be characterized as a, quote, right, entitled to protection on grounds of substantive due process, courts have nonetheless found some other uh, implicated right to sustain the claim. So alternatively, they have granted relief through recourse to constitutional provisions which operate irrespective of whether uh, what is involved is deemed a privilege rather than a right. Okay. Now, while the concept of privilege underlying Holmes' epigram remains nominally intact, its implications for positive law have been gradually eroded. After considering those situations where the right-privilege distinction has been misapplied, I propose to review those means with the Supreme Court, which is utilized to avoid the harsh consequences consequences, consequences excuse me, of the distinction and then to reexamine the essential soundness of the distinction itself. Okay. Now, the notion that the petitioner has no right of the larger view that no one has a constitutional right to government largest. Okay. Now, this view distinguishes the limited power of the state reasonably to regulate activities conducted by private means without substantial assistance by government from unlimited power of the state to regulate advantages supplied by governmental Government without obligation, you understand? Now, the conception of unprotected state bestowed privileges was not originally designed to curtail claims of substantive due process in the private sector. So an individual could still directly assail a state statute affecting his private employment on the ground that it unreasonably regulated his right to work or right to contract without having to show it also indirectly curtailed some separately named constitutional interests, such as his freedom of speech. So as the court suggested in Meyer versus Nebraska, it invalidated the state statute 
forbidding teachers for, from providing instruction in German, even in private schools. So the established doctrine is that this liberty guaranteed by the Due Process Clause may not be interfered with under the guise of protecting the public interest by legislative action, which is arbitrary or without reasonable relation to some purpose within the competency of the state to effect. So determination by the legislator of what constitutes proper exercise of police power is not final or conclusive, but is subject to supervision by the court. The court still want to be able to have a say-so. Now, if the basic distinction implied by Holmes and, and McAfee is kept in mind, cases of the same general period, such as Hamilton versus Regents of the University of California, are not inconsistent with Myers. In Hamilton, as in McAfee, petitioners were complaining of regulations attached to something they sought from the state rather than something they had secured in the private sector without public assistance. So students excluded from the state university from failing to take military training were therefore unable to argue on the basis of substantial due process that they had, quote, the right to acquire useful instruction since the instruction that they sought was dependent upon government basis. However, other cases relying upon the McAfee view blurred the distinction upon which it was based. Okay? In Barsky versus the Board of Regents, for instance, the physician whose license was suspended following his conviction, his conviction of contempt of Congress was not barely dropped from a public job, not even on the public payroll to begin with. He was forbidden under pain of criminal prosecution to practice medicine privately. So what happened was that over a period of time, the court had recognized that even the personal liberty to contract in the private sector, to work in the private sector, to own property was subject to a high degree of reasonable government uh, regulation in the public interest against the claim that such rights were absolutely protected by the 14th Amendment. Now, isn't that interesting? Right. This recognition emerged in an irregular line of thoughtful cases, beginning no later than Munn versus Illinois, and tracing through Holden versus Hardy and Muller versus Oregon. It was made firm through Nabia versus New York and had been consistently followed to the present time, and recognizing that the right to own property or the right to work in the private sector is necessarily subject to public regulation compatible with some minimum standard of substantive due process. However, the court had never asserted that such an interest was wholly outside the protection of the due process clause. But cases such as Barsky uh, tactically moved toward the position that because the private sector is subject to considerable public regulation, even the exercise of a prerogative Even the exercise of a prerogative in the private sector is merely a privilege and can stand on no better footing than other kinds of privileges, such as those in the public sector. Thus, the court moved by negligent degree in a view of aberrant cases to the following neoclism. said that the petitioner may have a right to talk politics, but he has no right to be a doctor, even a private one. Right now, we also got to remember that the the use of 
of of the term is very specific as well. Like you call yourself a doctor or you call yourself a lawyer or you call yourself an attorney. Those are, are terms that they have classified to be able to control. Okay. So the practice of medicine in New York is lawfully prohibited by the state except upon the conditions that it imposes through what? Through the contract. So such practice is a privilege granted by the essentially plenary powers to fix the terms of admission. So nearly half a dozen means are currently available to circumvent the harsh consequences of the right-privilege distinction as applied to the private interest in public sectors. Each peacefully coexists with Holmes' epigram, for none involves any direct repudiation of the right-privilege distinction as a limitation on the claims of substantive due process in the public sector. But the extent to which these devices are available depends upon the circumstances, and all but one have substantial practical limitations. So, um, I want to get into something here, and I, and I think that this would be worth mentioning. This is what's known, um, essentially, and anytime we talk about this, we're talking about doctrines, right? Because doctrines are very important, you know, especially when it comes to um, looking at precedent, case law, and shit like that. Okay. But this is known as the doctrine of unconstitutional conditions. Right. And the doctrine of unconstitutional conditions uh, takes for granted that the petitioner has no right to be a policeman, but it emphasizes the right he is conceded to possess by reason of an explicit provision in the First Amendment, his, quote, right to talk politics, as stated by Mr. Justice Southern in 1926. It would be a palpable incongruity to strike down an act of state legislation which by words of express divestment seek to strip the citizen of rights guaranteed by the federal constitution but to uphold an act by which the same result is accomplished under the guise of a surrender of a right in exchange for a valuable privilege which the state threatens otherwise to withhold. So if the state may compel the surrender of one constitutional right as a condition of its favor, it may in like manner compel the surrender of all it is inconceivable that guarantees embedded in the Constitution of the United States may thus be manipulated out of existence. So essentially, this doctrine declares that whatever an express constitutional provision forbids government to do directly, it equally forbids government to do indirectly. So as a consequence, it seems to follow that the First Amendment forbids the government to condition its largest upon its willingness of the petitioner to surrender a right which he would otherwise be entitled to exercise as a private citizen. The net effect is to enable an individual to challenge certain conditions which are imposed upon his public employment without disturbing the presupposition uh, the, the that he has no right to that employment. So the, the unconstitutional conditions doctrine has been applied, for example, to forbid a state to to discontinue unemployment benefits so a person refusing Saturday employment for religious purposes, right? Um, and it has been employed to protect the status of state college students from summary termination against the argument that the privilege of attendance has been conditioned upon their acceptance of a rule permitting summary dismissal. Basically, we can dismiss your ass when we want to. Right? So the doctrine would appear to be 
and apply equally uh, well to every other case where the employment of a government-connected interest is conditioned upon a rule requiring that one abstain from the exercise of some right that's protected by an express clause in the Constitution. Okay, so literal application of the doctrine might mean, for instance, that a, a welfare recipient need not consent and cannot be held uh, economically uh, coerced consent to a warrantless search of his, of his house, absent circumstances that otherwise justify an equivalent administrative search of a private premise, which is occupied by, by one who is not on welfare. Right? So basically, you know, if you're not, if you're on hood, they, they say, oh, boy, this is hood housing, so we can come in anytime we want to. If it's not hood housing, we, we can't just come in anytime we want to. So it would also suggest that a policeman can no more be made to waive his privilege against self-incrimination than can a private attorney. It would further imply that the decision in the United Public Workers versus Mitchell upholding the constitutionality of the Hatch Act, which was incorrect, right? Since the political activity pursued by the civil servant in that case was doubtless protected by the First Amendment from direct regulation as applied to private citizens. So as an exception, right, the, uh, the right to privilege distinction, the doctrine seems to be a very broad one, which is subject only to major limitations. So the petitioner must demonstrate that the condition of which he complains is unreasonable in the special sense that it prohibits or abridges the exercise of a right protected by an explicit provision in the Constitution. So it provides no protection against a regulation which is simply unreasonable or even outrageous in that it has no reasonable connection with any legitimate public purpose. For in that any case, only the petitioner's public status is menaced, something to which he presumably has no right to begin with. Right? So the doctrine of unconstitutional conditions is highly attractive for, number one, first, it preserves the appearance of judicial objectivity. Okay, so a court need not to weigh in or balance. It, it needs simply to apply the literal mandate of a given constitutional provision flatly to forbid government from conditioning its, its largest on any waiver, such as a provision regardless of the circumstances. And then a court may thus avoid uh, any unseemly appearance of acting as a super legislature. Courts are not legislatures. Courts don't make law. They rule on the law, right? So second, the doctrine greatly expedites the decision-making and provides clear guidelines in cases which might otherwise be uh, especially difficult to resolve. So instead of canvassing a host of variables in what they call quasi-legislative fashion on the strength of, of barely adequate records, a court may seem to have but a single straightforward question to resolve. Did the regulation in question condition the petitioner's privilege Upon the waiver of a of a named constitutional right, so did somebody give up their constitutional right for a privilege, right? And and that's a question that we all have to ask ourselves every single day that we walk out the house, and and you interfere with other people in society. Um, you take on a job, you 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 drive a car, you know, uh, you drive a eighteen wheeler, any of that shit, right? A lot of times you're giving up a constitutional right for a what they call a valuable privilege. For instance, in the state of Missouri, Missouri told the federal government, they said, look, we're not going to 
step on people's gun rights. We don't care what you say. People have a right to carry concealed without a permit. And if anybody um, has a problem with it, don't come to Missouri. It's basically what the government, what the governor said. He says, we're not going to agree with the federal government on this. Right? So the doctrine of unconstitutional conditions is highly attractive for two quite practical reasons. First, it preserves the appearance of judicial objectivity. Okay. And then it essentially it, it, it brings the, the whole question in of whether somebody uh, waived their whole constitutional right or not. I don't know about y'all, but I'm not waiving my constitutionally protected rights or privilege. You have the right to travel up and down the highways without having to register your vehicle. Registration, you know the whole reason why they came over registration was because people's shit was getting stolen, and they needed a way to track people's vehicles that they were getting stolen. And so they started assigning people tag numbers, right? and they would say that, okay, if your shit's getting stolen… We'll just give you a tag, and then if it gets stolen, we can track your shit with the tag, or we can track it with the VIN number. That was what that was for. Okay? Now, Justice Holmes, uh, consistently with his earlier holdings, never fully accepted the unconstitutional conditions doctrine and was probably correct in believing that in its absolute form, uh, it evaded the more difficult question raised by justifiable state regulations. The, the basic flaw in the doctrine uh, is this assumption that the same evil results from attaching certain conditions to government-connected activity as from imposing such conditions on persons not connected with the government. Now, in many cases, this may be true, but the connection with the government may in certain circumstances make otherwise unreasonable conditions quite reasonable. So in Holmes' view… Even rights protected by an express provision of the Constitution were relative and might be made to yield to certain necessities. So to forbid the false uh, shouting of, quote, fire in the crowded theater was not to reach the same result as to forbid shouting in someone's bedroom. So to limit a policeman's privilege against self-incrimination in connection with questions immediately related to his job as a policeman, and solely in order to determine whether there is just cause to discharge him or at least make further inquiry would not be the same thing as to require answers of citizens in police custody for the purpose of aiding their criminal prosecution. So the judicial result cannot be turned upon a, a pretended sameness. Thus, the hold the privilege against self-incrimination applies to public employees should not prevent the government under appropriate circumstances from making inquiry of an employee respecting his job. Okay? So the existence of a right to talk politics ought to not necessarily mean that it can be exercised in violation of a departmental regulation while one is in governmental service, at least if the character of the government's position of necessity is a restriction of this right in an inherent and compelling public good. So the constitutional conditions doctrine, while attaching no constitutional significance to the status of the public sector, may lack the flexibility adequately to treat such problems. So what am I saying here when I'm reading this to y'all? What I'm saying is, is that if you got a police officer, and a police officer is a job, right? A police officer, because he's a public official, because he has a public contract, he cannot he, – he waives his constitutional rights. In a sense, 
versus somebody who's private, they right they they cannot waive that. Right? You can invoke your constitutional rights. But if you're a public official, you have a contract, which means that you have a bond. Which means you took oath. Okay. So the doctrine of unconstitutional conditions has usually been applied only to regulations which directly forbid the enjoyment of an explicit constitutional right. The doctrine has been of little assistance in those situations. However, where the regulation of status in the public sector okay, has had only an indirect effect on a right without directly or wholly forbidding its exercise. So the Supreme Court has nonetheless occasionally protected the petitioner's status under such circumstances by emphasizing the, quote, unconstitutional effect of the regulation. So although still leaving unconventional views that one has only constitutional right per se, the status in the public sector, the character of constitutional review is more complex in such cases than in those typically believed to involve unconstitutional conditions. However, it is correspondingly and excuse me, however, and it correspondingly begs fewer questions. So the court attempts to balance uh, competing public and private concerns to determine whether the regulation as applied has a sufficient connection with important enough state interest to outweigh the incidental effect of the constitutional rights of an affected class. All right, so I'm going to stop there because, you know, this shit gets long, and, and I want to make sure that it's understood what I'm saying here, right? A protected class of citizens, right? And, and this goes back to general law versus special law, right? And, and when we talk about this, you know, if you look at you look at special law and what special law is, right? Special law is a local law, right? It's a law which applies to a particular place, especially to a particular member or members of a class of persons or things in the same situation, but not the entire class. And that's constitutional if the classification that's made is arbitrary or without reasonable or legitimate justification, right? That's local, that's special law. Then you look at general law, right? In general law, is unrestricted as to time. This is your constitution. It's applicable throughout the entire territory. It's subject to the power of the legislator that enacted it, and it applies to all persons in the same class, right? And so understanding that we are not a classless society. We, are, we do operate in classes, right? And the, the, the beauty of this society is you're not bound by one class, right? The constitution applies to uh, people who are poor, it applies to middle class. It applies to upper class. It applies to everybody, right? Hell, you can even apply the Constitution in some instances to your pets, right? And so we have to look at this for what it is because wholeheartedly, the idea of a right versus a privilege distinction um, is very much in play in your everyday life. Okay. All right. Um, and so, and I'll give you one more example before, before we go to break. But um, in Kansas, there's a Shelton versus T- Tucker, which is a closely divided court, which invalidated in uh, I think it's I think it's Arkansas. Um, it was Arkansas statute, uh, which required every public school teacher assistant to uh, file an affidavit listing every organization which 
he or she belonged to, right, over a five-year period. So the statute itself did not penalize membership as you being – because you could have been part of the KKK, but they didn't penalize that shit, right? But they wanted you to list it. So the claim did not lend itself to quick judicial dispatch through a mechanical holding that the freedom of association is protected by the First Amendment is that the doctrine of unconstitutional condition forbids the state to condition its favor upon the surrender of a constitutional right. So had the, had the court wanted to apply the doctrine of unconstitutional conditions, it would have first had to hold that the First Amendment broadly guarantees in addition to the freedom of, of speech an absolute right of non-disclosure respecting one's political views and associations. It might then have held that Arkansas statute operated as an unconstitutional condition against that right. So such an expansive right is not readily apparent on the face of the amendment. However, uh, a formation broad enough for the case at hand would have had serious implications in related areas. It might, for example, have raised serious doubts as to the validity of the present limitations of the prerogative of a witness before a congressional investigation committed to decline to answer any relevant, substantially non-incriminating questions. The doctrine of unconstitutional conditions mechanically applied might not furnish room to make distinctions as to the reasonableness of the demand for information under all circumstances. So this is a lot to take in. And I I get it. So what what I'm going to suggest that anybody who's listening does is that you take a look at the document itself. Go back and look at the actual document. Go look at unconstitutional conditions versus constitutional conditions. Look at rights versus privileges. Look at everything that you have a right to do, and then look at what they give you, quote-unquote, privileges to do. Um, and, and you can easily define that by looking at statutes, codes, and ordinances, and then look at your constitution. See, Statutes, code, ordinances tend to try to to, to put uh, the Constitution in the box. You can't put the Constitution in a box, right? It's impossible to do that. So, so what we what we're dealing with is is the idea that because the Constitution is so broad, you, you can say on one hand that somebody can stand in the park and give and, and, and give a public speech, but if on the other hand they have um, they have an oath or contract, right? Or a city ordinance says that they have to get a permit. That could potentially be looked at as an infringement on that individual's constitutionally protected rights. All right, what up? Uh, what up to the chat? What up, child? All right. So, with that being said, I'm gonna open up the call lines. If you wanna holler at me. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, I'll drop one more thing on you, and then we'll open up the lines. All right? Right here on New Evolution Radio. This is the bottom line. We go from the bottom to the top. Just like that. We'll be right back. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after these messages on Evolution Radio. Keep it locked. You're tuned in to the hottest radio network on the planet, Evolution Radio. Mm-hmm. 
Nobody has done more for the black community than Donald Trump. And if you look, with the exception of Abraham Lincoln, possible exception, but the exception of Abraham Lincoln, nobody has done what I've done. Criminal justice reform, Obama and Joe didn't do it. I don't even think they tried because they had no chance at doing it. They might have wanted to do it, but if you had to see the arms I had to twist to get that done, it was not a pretty picture, and everybody knows it, including some very liberal people that cried in my office. They cried in the Oval Office. It's a very, it makes me sad because I am, I, I am the least racist person. I can't even see the audience because it's so dark, but I don't care who's in the audience. I'm the least racist person in this room. Okay, Vice President Biden, Abraham, let me ask you very quickly, and then I have a follow-up question for you. Abraham Lincoln here is one of the most racist presidents we've had in modern history. He pours fuel on every single racist fire, every single one. He started off his campaign coming down the escalator saying he's going to get rid of those Mexican rapists. He's banned Muslims because they're Muslims. He has moved around and made everything worse across the board. He says to the, about the poor boys, last time we were on stage here, he said, I told him to stand down and stand ready. Come on. This guy has a dog whistle about as big as a foghorn. President Trump, I'm going to give you 10 seconds to respond, and then I have a follow-up. No, I, he made a reference to Abraham Lincoln. Where did that come in? I mean, you said you're Abraham that, Lincoln. No, no, where did that? No, no. You said, I said not since Abraham Lincoln has anybody right. done what I've done for the black community. And I'm saying, I didn't say I'm Abraham Lincoln. I said not since Abraham Lincoln has anybody done what I've done for the black community. Now, you have done nothing other than the crime bill, which put... Oh, God. That tens of thousands of black men, mostly, in jail. All right. Let me, you know let what? Me, let me they ask remember Vice it President because Biden if you look at what's happening with the voting right now, let me ask they Vice remember President that Biden you treated them very, very badly. Number one, the 14th Amendment is very questionable as to whether or not somebody can come over, have a baby, and immediately that baby is a citizen. Uh, okay? know, the court has pretty much said you're that right. it reads an immigrant well, there. This, this is a minority legal Chris, opinion you're talking about. There are about. many people that totally feel that... They may don't, want look, it that way. Amending is too big a deal. It's going to take... It'll be two terms. I'd be in my second term or my eighth year by the time, assuming everything went smoothly, because to amend the Constitution... It takes a long time. But I believe... Especially on a very divisive issue. I believe you can win it legally, okay? I believe you can win it legally. And in any event, the parents have to leave.
can give you the rights that were bestowed upon you by the Creator, right? Those are inherent natural rights. That, and maybe on Thursday I will go into um, the laws of the universe, right? It might be a good topic to talk about. But, you know, we, we just we need to remember that when we're dealing with these type of things. Now, real quick, let me drop some more information on this, okay? from this doctrine. So the doctrine of, of unconstitutional conditions has usually been applied uh, only to regulations which directly forbid the enjoyment of an explicit constitutional right. So the doctrine has been of little assistance in those situations. However, the regulation of status in the public sector has had only indirect effects on such right without directly or wholly forbidding its exercise. So the Supreme Court has nonetheless occasionally protected the petitioner's status under circumstances by emphasizing the unconstitutional effect, quote, of the regulation, although still moving undisturbed the conventional view that one has no constitutional right per se to status in the public sector. You see, so for all your people who who you know who are agents out there, right? So, and, and this is another reason why you can't sue um, an agent. Uh, well, I'll take that back. You can. Uh, and I heard, I heard John the show. I heard where he went into that, right? Um, how to sue them, and you can sue them, but you have to sue them also in your private capacity for violating their constitutionally protected rights, right? I think he was like forty-two or something like that. I, I don't remember what it was off but off hand. Um, I'll, I'll get it and drop it in the next show. Um, or you can go back and listen to one of the other shows because he dropped it as well. But that information is out there, right? On how you can essentially get at these people if you need to. Okay? Because, trust me, you know, they do shit behind the scenes. They, they try to infringe on your rights, you know. I was, listen, they, they came at me. So I tried to stop me from doing shows. Right? But the... The, the fact is is that there's an, undefe- an indefeasible right to freedom of speech. So the Supreme Court, okay, and you know, we, we talk about um, you know, protecting your right, but the Supreme Court protects the petitioner's status under such circumstances by emphasizing the unconstitutional effect of the regulation. Although still living undisturbed the conventional view that one has no constitutional right per se to status in the public sector. So the character of constitutional review is more complex in such cases than those that typically believe to involve unconstitutional conditions. However, in its correspondingly begs fewer questions, the court attempts to balance competing public and private concerns to determine whether the regulation as applied has sufficient connection with important enough state interest to outweigh the incidental effect on the constitutional rights of an affected class. You see, so it doesn't matter what class you're in. You have constitutionally protected rights. Even if you just got over here and you under the 14th Amendment, right? The federalists said that's why they created the federal constitution, right? And, I, and I've talked about this before, how uh, you know certain instances... You know, they almost try to pull you out of, you know, because the, the 14th Amendment applies to 14th Amendment citizens, but it it, it, it works 
and then, then it also goes against um, people at the same in the same stage, right? And I, you know, that that's another conversation for another day because the Fourteenth Amendment is such a convoluted conversation, and we've dealt with it before, right? But understanding that is also understanding the fact that uh, the public sector operates here. This is why they give constitutional rights to corporations, right? So the court attempts to balance competing public and private concerns to determine whether the regulation is applied has sufficient connection with the important enough state interest to outweigh the incidental effect on, on the constitutional rights of an affected class. So an excellent illustration of such an approach is provided by Shelton versus Tucker. Right? And that's the, that's the one I gave you guys earlier. Now, um, the court and Shelton versus Tucker talked about the unconstitutional conditions doctrine and instead undertook a more difficult and painstaking inquiry against the probable effect of the statute and discouraging controversial political association in light of the lack of tenure system to provide uh, job security. It acknowledged the state's legitimate but uncompelling interest in avoiding possible conflicts of interest and time-consuming commitments uh, on the parts of its employees. It also noted that less ominous means were open to the state to protect its interests than the compilation of uh, unconfidential and indiscriminately inclusive membership lists. The majority of five finally concluded that the statute was invalid in its view of a chilling effect on the exercise of First Amendment freedoms of association and speech. So, guess what? It becomes what? Ex post facto. It goes against the Constitution. It was written after the Constitution was written, and it doesn't apply. It was invalid. So the form of analyst used by the court in Shelton reflects a more fundamental difference between the unconstitutional conditions and indirect effects doctrine that can be accounted for by the mere presence or absence of a direct ban on the exercise of a constitutional right. I don't care if you red, blue, green, purple, yellow, brown, black, right? I don't care if you're one years old or a hundred years old. You have a constitutionally protected status in this country. That applies to the group as a whole. That's general law. All right? All right, so with that being said, I'm going to open up the call line. If y'all want to holler at me, press the number one. Uh, I dropped a lot of info tonight. Um, you know, and, and you can go back and listen to a lot of this, too. If you're just coming in, make sure you go back and check out the replay, which will be available on uh, podcasts as well as the blog talk. Meet me after the show. All right? We'll take a quick break. Call lines are wide open. If you want to holler at me, press the number one. Put yourself in the queue. We'll be right back. Good luck.
don't even think about changing the station. You're listening to The Bottom Line with your host, Joey L. Yo, I don't even know who the fuck this is in my chat, but let me tell you something, man. Let's get let's get some shit real straight, bro. The fact that you think that you can come up in the chat and say some dumbass shit talking about prostitution, nigga. First of all, first of all, let's get something real straight, nigga. Nobody over here is doing any type of prostitution. And if you want to talk about two two forty one and two forty two, that's statutory, the statutory right. So why don't you grow up and get the fuck out of my chat, nigga? Unless you're gonna come on and actually speak on what you know, like actually talk some real shit, nigga, over the phone line. Don't come over here with that bullshit, bro. You're banned, bro. You out of here. Yo, real talk. I hate when people come on here and do that ignorant ass shit. Nigga <laughs> gonna tell me he kicked me some ghetto ass some truth. You don't even know me. You have you have no idea who I am, and and two forty one and two forty two is statutory. It has nothing to do with the Constitution. So if you want to sue a public official, you're using two forty one and two forty two as a statutory right. Excuse me, as a statutory privilege to do so. I hate niggas like that, man. Like nigga, if you if you got something, or you got to be for me, nigga. Bring your ass on the radio and speak up like a man. Don't hide behind a chat box. You fucking are ignorant. That's the ignorant ass shit. Come on, constitution, prostitution. Listen, man. Listen, and, and even if people was out here prostitution, like like people in Vegas, they got a legal right to do so. Because guess what? It's a right. It's a, it, it's a right, and then they codified it into a statutory right. Niggas is ignorant, man. <laughs> yo, with that being said, man, I'm not even going to say on the radio much longer, yo. I hope y'all got something out of this show tonight. I'm going to say peace to y'all. I'll holler at y'all Thursday. Y- y'all see how people can be ignorant. Niggas are just ignorant for no reason. Right? Straight up. You don't even know me. You want to be ignorant. All right. I'm going to say peace to the God. Y'all have a great week, man. Happy Father's Day to the fathers out there. Many blessings to y'all. Peace.